This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.ons.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this lovely Easter Saturday morning. It's bright and crisp morning on a bank holiday weekend and I hope we find you safe and well. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of music, chat and entertainment. And I loved it, the Ireland's easiest quiz. All set to become Ireland's queasiest quiz. There's a thought to get you going on a Saturday morning. Well, seriously though, it's been another challenging week for business and the economy and we'll be discussing where we're at with the range of people on the front line of various aspects of business. With reopening dates still up in the air, we'll be talking the state of tourism and hospitality with Paul Keeley, Director of Regional Development with Falcha Ireland. It's been a particularly tough week for people in locked down retail where hopes were high for some sort of relaxation of COVID restrictions. Retail Excellence Ireland represents over 2,000 of Ireland's leading retailers. We'll be talking to Duncan Graham, the Chief Executive of that organisation, about what they make of the latest announcements and we'll be checking in with the local Chambers of Commerce and talking to Colin Duggan in Carlow and John Hurley in Kilkenny. But first, before we came on air, I caught up with Austin Hughes, Chief Economist of KBC Bank Ireland, and I talked to Austin about the state of consumer confidence, a crucial issue as businesses look towards the second half of the year. Uh, And it's been a very challenging first quarter as we now head into the second quarter. It being Easter, though, I started by asking him what the economics of Easter eggs could tell us about consumer confidence in these difficult COVID days. Well, um, there's certainly been UK reports that the demand for Easter eggs is up about 50% this year. And if you think about kind of how difficult times are, there is also, uh, economists talk about a lipstick index that quite often in difficult times, people look for little treats. My own personal experience of this is that trying to get Easter eggs earlier this week anything really decent was off the shelves so you were left with something that that the kids or the partner would be very annoyed if you turned up with uh, tomorrow on Easter Sunday. So there is a sense that people are perhaps treating themselves to to maybe a little extra chocolate um, to get away from all the gloom and doom that they hear about the economy. Absolutely. I, I, I won't ask your opinion on my licorice flavoured Easter egg that I got, but uh, we'll, we'll move on. But on a serious point, Austin, consumer confidence is essential uh, for the community. Uh, KBC Bank, you do a regular one, so you've got your finger on the pulse. You've done one for March. What's it telling us? Well, the good news is that consumer sentiment is improving. It's the best level in 12 months. The bad news, I suppose, is that as you'd expect, consumers are still nervous. So it's not as bad as it has been through the last few months, but it's still telling of a consumer who's quite cautious about the outlook. Now, in terms of the details of the March survey, what it's suggesting is that consumers are less fearful about the longer term 
economic outlook. So they're a little more positive on the prospects for the Irish economy and the prospects for jobs. But where they're still nervous is around the outlook for their own household incomes and their spending power. There's still so much uncertainty out there that people are, are being understandably cautious in this. And again, because Irish consumers' most recent experience of a downturn is the severe financial crisis, they're worried that when things go wrong, they could get even worse. So in that respect, Irish consumers are quite reasonably cautious at the moment, but encouragingly, they haven't entirely given up the ghost. Yeah, and looking at the figures, uh, the, the, the growth in savings is really quite uh, huge and quite eye-popping. Um, different types of savings. I heard you had some interesting perspectives. Tell us about trapped savings. Well, well overall, there were data released during the week and they said that households, Irish households, as a share of their income, their savings rose from 12 percent in 2019 to 23 percent in 2020. That's probably the highest in Europe and it's certainly the highest we have in record in Ireland. Even during the financial crisis they only got as high as 15 percent. Now there's two reasons why people saved during the last year. One is that they were trapped in their homes and consequently they couldn't go to the shops, they couldn't go on exotic holidays. So in that respect, there's been a buildup of these, we'll call it trapped savings. The other is terror savings, that people are more concerned that the pandemic will have longer term impacts on the economy in general and on their own household finances. So they're putting it a little bit more aside. You might call it rainy day savings, but actually it's when there is a rainy day that people tend to save more. So in that respect, I think there are two distinct elements to savings. It's also important to emphasize that the group savings are very different. In our March survey, we found that one in three consumers hadn't built up any savings in the last couple of years because quite often when economists talk about uh, the Irish economy, you would think that all consumers were in exactly the same circumstances. But one in three uh, consumers said uh, they hadn't managed to build up savings because they're finding it very difficult to get by and to make ends meet really most of the time. Of the balance, what's interesting is about half and half split between spending the rest of it uh, and saving the rest of it. Of those who are going to spend, most are going to spend it in the next year. So they can't wait to get back to restaurants, pubs, or, or holidays, or even just to treat themselves maybe to a new jacket or a new dress or whatever it is in that regard. So there is a sense in which we will have some element of pent-up savings that will mean the economy fares better in the second half of the year. Another group, though, are going to save this for the longer term. They're more worried about the outlook for the economy. And actually, in the U.S., they found this after the Great Depression, that although savings went down after the, the initial shock, they, they remained higher than they were before uh, the Great Depression because people just felt it's more likely than not that at some time things are going to be rotten again, so I better have an extra few bob. And a final group who were saving, and it's about 9% of consumers were saying they were saving for a specific purpose. It's either to get together the deposit for a house, um, 
to, to get together the money to do decorations in the house or perhaps saving for their kids' education. So we're finding all these different currents in the Irish economy at the moment. Some who are in a very solid position who really for the last year found it's been quite pleasant to work from home and they've built up a few extra bob that they're going to spend or they're going to save and others for whom the past year has been a really, really terrible struggle. And I mean that in financial terms beyond the sort of health-related issues. And for them, you know, the critical issue is what will happen over the next couple of years or the next year or so? Is the economy going to open up? Will their jobs in retailing or in hotels or restaurants uh, be there uh, later on this year? So we have a very divided economy in that regard. Overall, things are still okay. And critically, it's the higher earners who've probably uh, been... Uh, saved most from the problems and that has meant that tax revenues have been better. So the government actually has scope to help those who have been most affected. But we are facing into a remainder of 2021 when the outlook is very unclear with some really looking back forward to getting back to the shops uh, and spending a few extra bob and others wondering will their jobs be there when the economies will open us up. Yeah, and those are critical um, uh, considerations weighing on many retailers wondering when they are finally uh, going to be allowed to reopen, what kind of demand and so on is going to be out there. The central bank did some forecasting during the week about the second half of the year. Many people in business hanging on, is it going to be Armageddon? Is it going to be reasonable? What was the central bank saying? Uh, the central bank is saying that the growth will pick up through the second half of the year. But the central bank actually sent two messages in its most its latest forecast. One, that economic growth in general will be strong and there will be a pickup. But it also talked of as many as 100,000 jobs gone because of the pandemic. Those are the companies that won't be able to open up. Or when they open up, they will either find their capacity is so limited because of maybe continuing restrictions uh, or because people have moved to online purchases or, or because their spending patterns have changed. So there's that still significant uncertainty. And as I say, maybe this two-strand economy where some are doing really well and others are, are facing a very difficult end to, to 2021. Uh, for me, the critical thing there is that the government sends out a very strong signal that it will do more uh, uh, to try and support the economy. In the US, we've seen the announcement by Joe Biden of massive infrastructure spend and a massive fiscal support element. Uh, today, he announced, uh, or earlier this week, he announced his infrastructure spend. Um, with new money being spent on roads, on refurbishment of transport infrastructure, on green agenda, on retrofitting houses. These are all things that actually we could probably do in Ireland as well to, to differing degrees. And it would actually make the economy stronger. It would make job opportunities much more widely spread around the economy uh, and it would really be a very important port against the risks and maybe the threat to these 100,000 jobs.
That's uh, the chief economist with KBC, Austin Hughes, there with his insights about consumer confidence and what lies ahead of us over the next weeks and months as the economy and the country will try to emerge from COVID. Now, my chat to with Austin extended beyond that 10-minute section, which we played for you there, and we're putting the full version out on the Bottom Line podcast channel, which you can find, or where you will find, with recordings of all the various editions of the Bottom Line over the last year and had a really interesting chat with Austin. All you've got to do is go along to wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that could be the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify and just search for the bottom line KCLR where you'll hear a wealth, an absolute wealth of options uh, and various interviews that we've conducted over the last while. We're going to talk retail after the break and particularly talk to Duncan Graham of Retail Excellence Ireland. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie. It's just after 21 minutes after 9 o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this lovely, bright Easter Saturday morning. Now, perhaps no sector of the business community was watching and listening to the announcement made by the Taoiseach on Tuesday last about the status of ongoing restrictions. Uh, That would be more than those in the lockdown retail sector. Given the reductions in case numbers and notwithstanding the plateauing of COVID cases over the last few weeks, Hopes were pretty high that there would be some sort of relaxation on restrictions on retail. But those hopes, it is fair to say, were not realised. Retail Excellence Ireland were not happy at all. Before we came on air, I caught up with Duncan Graham, who's the Chief Executive of Retail Excellence Ireland, who represent over 2,000 businesses throughout the country. And I spoke to him about where lockdown retail is at. I started by asking him whether it would be fair to say that retailers in his organisation were fewer when they heard the announcements yeah look extremely disappointed and um, you know quite angry uh, I think we were certainly led to believe uh, for the last few weeks that something might uh, give in terms of retail and non-essential re- um, and we expected that maybe something on click and collect uh, certainly the tornister had alluded to that uh, on a number of occasions in the last few months so uh, to come out on Tuesday and uh, really in effect kick the can down the road until May uh, yet again um, is galling Um, you know particularly when click and collect for example you know we're finding that the government is saying that they're opening up uh, the economy they're opening up people's travel to to 20k and within your county and yet you can't go and pick up a book from a bookstore so you know it's it's really difficult at this moment in time and i think uh, retailers are getting very tired and frustrated in your press release after the announcement you described uh, the government as losing the room um that's a worrying development uh, how would you characterize uh, you know the views of your your members of the government currently yeah look i i think um tired um you know i think we've been we, we've not really been told enough, um, John, is the, is the truth of the matter. I think, uh, you know, w- retailers need a bit of certainty. They need to be able to plan uh, for the, uh, you know, for, for the release, for the release of the restrictions. And we haven't had that since the beginning of um, of January. You know, this lockdown now is the worst uh, lockdown uh, of anywhere in Europe in terms of retail. You know, we've got international retailers um, that are scratching their heads that recently came to Ireland, uh, you know, scratching their heads, wondering why they why they bothered uh, back in sort of February of last year. So, you know, and as I say, we really need some some clarity in terms of when 
uh, we can open up so that uh, we, we can bring people back. I mean, there's 70,000 people, retail and wholesale workers, claiming the PUP at the moment. Um, there's an awful lot of stock in stores, which is you know spring-summer stock, which will be very aged by the time we come out of this and won't be given any opportunity for um, retailers to sell that stock. So all in all, it's an extremely difficult for, uh, situation and, and, and one where you know, we're, we're constantly asking questions of government not really getting any, any answers at this point. Um, you said that this represents another nail in the coffin for hundreds of retailers around the country. Is that alarmist? No, I don't think it is. I think if you look back to, to last year, you'll have seen that um, you know there were some very high-profile store closures. I mean, go back to the start of last year with the whole Debenhams thing, um, and then the the end of the year we heard of the um, the closure of of Arcadia with or Topshop and Topman and all of those brands. So it, you know, and those are the ones that we know about. Um, it's inevitable. We're we're hearing all the time that retailers, uh, some of the small independent retailers are saying, you know, I, I may not reopen again. I might just try my hand uh, online for a period of time. Um, and, um, you know, I think the state of our shopping streets and our shopping centres across the country when we finally do get reopened is going to be a lot different from the situation that people will remember back in, in December when we had that short four-week window of, of trading almost normally um you know so I, I do think um you know this is going to be it's going to be some time before we're going to see uh, any form of normality coming back into retail yeah now presumably since the beginning of the lockdown you've been onto the government in various guises making representations and providing reassurance what kind of reassurances have you been able to give them that if they did give you the green light to have reopening that that it would be safe because everyone agrees safety is paramount for shoppers yeah absolutely and and you know if you look at how responsible retail has been and throughout this pandemic i mean even go back to uh, the lockdown of of the 31st of december you know i know we'd been talking prior to that around how safe retail was but retailers took their responsibilities seriously we you know we shut down uh, at a pretty much a moment's notice um and understood that when you're in a situation of two and three thousand cases a day that's the right thing to do prior to that um throughout the whole of last year you know we, we've invested heavily in stores you know there's there's uh, perspex screens whenever you walk into an essential shop um there are you know mask wearing is pretty much uh, 99% of people that are going in and out of stores are wearing masks. Um, so, you know, and hand sanitization and queuing outside has become the norm. So you know, retailers have really taken their responsibility seriously. And if you look at some of the numbers that were coming back that could be directly attributable to retail uh, in that run up to Christmas, it was very few. So I know the government have really shut down retail on the basis of the restriction of movement of people. But, you know, it, it's now been going on you know, three months this time round, it'll be it'll be nearly five months by the time we get out of this. Um, and we really do need something back at this stage. Yeah, now last week on the programme we talked to Tommy Hickson, who's a, who's a run Super Value in Tullow in County Carlow, and he's been open every day, bar two, Christmas Day and Stephen's Day since the outbreak of the pandemic. He's done so fairly safely. What do you think is the difference between a, a supermarket where you would have considerable footfall and smaller uh, retail outlets like shoe shops, for example, where it's not been permitted to go in and try on shoes. Well, you see, this is the point. You know, the government have put these ridiculous uh, rules in place in terms of what's essential and what's non-essential. And those lines are getting extremely blurred because if you if you go back again, you, you could almost argue at the start of any lockdown that, you know, for, for, for a short period of time, 
uh, we could do without some of those essentials like underwear and socks and, and children's footwear, as you say. Uh, the longer something goes on, the more essential those products uh, become. And it's, in one sense, the small crumb of comfort that we've got from governments uh, this week has been that they've decided to class children's footwear as essential. But that then throws up a problem, you know, for retailers who, most retailers, most, most retailers that have footwear shops uh, don't just sell children's footwear. They sell a whole uh, range of, of footwear products. So, you know, that, that's difficult in itself because, um, you know, to make money out of just selling children's footwear, you, you're not going to do that. So, you know, the temptation there is to open up the shop and, and sell to everybody. And of course, that's what's gradually happening at the moment. These lines are getting very blurred. You know, some of the largest retailers in the state are flouting the regulations and selling um, essential product uh, alongside essential products and and that's not fair when you've got a lot of independent boutique owners for example that are forced to rem remain with their doors shut so that's causing anger and frustration and these crazy regulations around essential non-essential are breaking down at this point so they have made their decision what would you like to see happen next well, in terms of in terms of children's footwear and so forth well no uh, in in terms of retail in general so they're keeping the retail, yeah, yeah. So, so I think, look, in terms of retail, we, we have said on more than one occasion to, to, to government that there is a phased way into this. And the first thing was click and collect. And we, we'd said that it was never it was never part of level five to begin with. It was only brought in, as I say, when case numbers were at their highest. So that was the first bit that we said could could be put in place immediately. We've then suggested that appointment only shopping is the is the next level, if you like, where, you know, you simply book an appointment, phone up, book a book a time to go in. And, you know, you can be safely managed in store at a distance and, and, and the protocols can very easily remain. So that's the second level. We've also suggested that outdoor shops, garden centres and so forth should be open. And, and very many of them in reality are at this moment in time. Um, and then the final bit would, would be the full reopening of non-essential at, at a point when it's fair to do, you know, reasonable to do so. Um, so it's a very phased introduction that could easily be done. Um, but at the moment, the government are, uh, are pushing back and we're, we're really pushing at a closed door at the moment, John. Yeah, you sound frustrated and you're not getting a lot of engagement from them. Is that acceptable in your view? It, it, it's not. I mean, you know, the reality is that we've been talking to government um, pretty much every uh, week uh, for the last, probably the last four or five months at this stage, you know, since before Christmas. Um, and we've been putting our messages across and, you know, we've been attending meetings where the subject has been two things, COVID and Brexit, both of which are, you know, fundamental for, for, for retail at this moment in time. And, you know, the government have basically been, uh, as I say, kicking the can down the road and adopting a wait and see approach when it comes to COVID. And, and that's getting very wearing very thin at this point. And um, as I say, a lot of frustration from retailers coming back. Yeah, now looking ahead to retail or looking broadly to the future of retail, um, the government announced during the week a range of measures designed at, you know, increasing the sustainability of towns and villages around the country. Retail, a huge part of that, you know, shops bring life to the centre of any uh, sort of habitation, settlement, be it a, a village or a town and so on. We've seen huge decreases over the years. Are you optimistic for the future of retailing after COVID passes when it will eventually? Look, I, I'm certainly not optimistic in the short term, and I think there's going to need to be a lot of effort put by everybody connected with our towns and cities to get them singing again. Um, you know, uh, there's certain things that need to happen. I mean, the, the whole public realm piece, we need to make our, our towns and cities attractive to people. We need to see the events kicking off again. 
that will encourage people back into towns and cities. We need to see the amount of you know this, this stockroom space that's emerged uh, above stores uh, over over recent years. We need to see some of that being converted into into residential accommodation, so we can bring people back into living over the shop, if you like, and, and inject new life into towns and cities. So, you know, that doesn't that doesn't happen immediately, and it's going to take a while for that to, to take place. I mean, the reality, John, is I think we're going to see a situation where when we when we initially open up, um, we will see a bounce. There's a, there's no doubt about it. So you've know, seen a bounce. Uh, we saw a bounce at Christmas, we saw a bounce last summer, and I think we'll see a, a bounce again this time round. But sustaining that bounce and making sure that, um, you know, uh, that, that retail can survive and thrive is really going to be about what we do with our towns and cities in the longer run. That's Duncan Graham, Chief Executive of Retail Excellence Ireland, giving a fairly uh, blunt assessment of what he thinks about the government's handling of the reopening of retail. Always good to talk to Duncan. We'll be talking to Paul Keeley, who's the Director of Regional Development with Falcha Ireland after the break, about where uh, the tourism and hospitality sector is at, a huge uh, sector of the economy across both Kilkenny and Carlow. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie The heart of two counties. KCLR. The heart of two counties indeed. It's 35 and a half minutes after 9 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10 on the Bottom Line, the program for and about business. Now, a sector of the economy at the heart of life across Kilkenny and Carlow is tourism and hospitality, and it's a really tough time with virtually a full lockdown in place. I'm joined on the line by Paul Keeley, who's a Director of Regional Development with Falcha Ireland. Good morning, Paul. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning to your listeners. Yeah, I, I spoke to you, I think it was summer last year. Um, I don't think it was in the script that we'd still be where we are now, this stage at the end of quarter one. Very challenging for retail, or sorry, for tourism and hospitality <laughs> and well, retail. Well, tourism and, and retail, indeed. Yeah, now look, uh, John, it, it's been a horrible uh, 11 months, really, for anybody in the tourism and hospitality game. And look, some businesses, obviously, short window last summer to try and get some revenue in, uh, but... Overall, I suppose, look, the picture really has been, you know, little or no revenue coming in, uh, you know, ongoing cash burn in businesses in terms of, you know, continuing to have to pay out on insurance, on utilities, rents, etc. Um, and it's really left uh, an awful lot of businesses at this point in time uh, in a really perilous state in terms of their liquidity and solvency. Um, obviously, we went into this crisis with 260,000 people involved in the tourism industry uh, of all the sectors. It's the one showing, obviously, massive levels of unemployment at this point in time. And whilst we've had government schemes like the EWSS and so on to try and keep people engaged with the sector, I think for many in the industry, one of the real concerns at the point, obviously, is that the longer this goes on, uh, the greater the risk of losing people to other sectors of the economy. Yeah, and Colin O'Hearn, the president of Kilkenny Chamber, was on RT night. Uh, o'clock news during the week and he was saying that you know it's not as easy as clicking your fingers you need six maybe even eight weeks to open up a property that employs you know a couple of hundred people well there's absolutely that i mean look at it's between getting you know recruiting your staff uh, getting the back end getting everybody trained up and refreshed on the safety protocols you know turning back on the advertising and promotion tap etc to uh, attract business in etc if you if you don't have that 
certainty, I suppose, in terms of a safe reopening roadmap, uh, then it's very difficult to plan with any certainty. And of course, as I mentioned at the outset, if you're trying to have a conversation with your bank uh, in terms of a, an ongoing line of credit, etc., very difficult to have that conversation uh, if you don't have any sense of when you might get reopened. Uh, so look, I think everybody in the industry recognises that, look, it's public safety first, it is a public health crisis, um, so what people want is a safe reopening, and I suppose what we're all hoping we can work towards now is when we do eventually get open in the summer, that we'll stay open this time round, as opposed to getting into that cycle of, I suppose, opening and then back into lockdowns again. I mean, I think today marks uh, 100 days uh, of lockdown, actually, uh, so that's... Uh, uh, since the last lockdown was triggered, you know, so that's, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for, that's hard for businesses, that's hard for members of the public, it's hard for everybody. And so I think what we have to hope is that as vac- vaccinations roll out and ramp up, et cetera, that we get towards a point where the economy can reopen and stay open. And so I, look, I, as I'm chatting to my own team, I often kind of quote that kind of cliche, the darkest hours before the dawn. So look, hopefully, uh, I think everybody's quite tired at the moment, uh, but, uh, you know, as as vaccinations ramp up, uh, hopefully we we get businesses open again and stay open. Yeah, and one of the things that, that people are missing most probably is going out for a meal, whether with family, friends, or whatever. But uh, still uncertain about what the social distancing will be at. Um, Falch Ireland, with Minister Martin, announced during the week a new outdoor dining scheme. Just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so we, we announced a 17 million euro scheme uh, thanks to uh, Minister Martin on, uh, earlier in the week. Uh, it's basically uh, one scheme, but with two strands to it. So uh, Part A, rec- uh, which we're going to implement through the local authorities, aims to get money to businesses as quickly as possible. So one of the working assumptions here is uh, any reopening is going to see reduced capacity indoors. Uh, we will require uh, extra outdoor seating. And so one of the things we want to try and do is support businesses to quickly get in tables, chairs, parasols, uh, etc. So that's grant aid through the local authority directly to businesses to try and get some of those, I suppose, movables in place reasonably quickly. The parallel part B of that scheme then is to look at the longer term infrastructural requirements if we want to get uh, more permanent weatherproofed uh, communal dining in place. Uh, then we have to look at uh, all of the enabling works in terms of sinking cabling for electric heaters. We need to look at proper screening, proper roofing, etc., for weatherproofing. Uh, so we're looking at working with local authorities to identify, uh, I suppose, those areas of, of key cities or towns where we can take uh, streets where we can, uh, with maybe a, a lot of hospitality business on them, maybe look at widening streets, traffic calming measures, or if there are good public squares or diamonds, etc., that might be uh, repurposed. Um, then we want to try and work with local authorities to, I suppose, more permanently reimagine what some of our public spaces can look like. Because again, what our own research is picking up is whilst people are looking forward to getting back into town again, there is a a lingering anxiety, I suppose, about crowds uh, and what people are saying they will be watching for is very visible signalling from the authorities that we're managing our public spaces well, that they're safe 
uh, I suppose, socialising, etc. So again, working with local authorities, what we want to try and do is make sure that we, uh, I suppose, provide those safe communal di- dining areas for people, uh, you know, and make it work getting into town again and spending time in town. Yeah, you're anticipating there the kind of change in tourist patterns brought about by, like, people's trauma, I suppose, of the COVID pandemic. This is like Florence in Italy. They don't want crowds anymore, really. So you have to try and manage that experience. Yeah, well, look, I think the, the you know, the, this issue of sustainable development is is a very topical item. And, look, it's been talked about for a number of years, but I, but I think, there again, there is a sense emerging now that what the, the, the crisis of the last 11 months has done is it's, uh, it has seen people kind of, I suppose, recalibrate and uh, take stock of what's important in their lives. And certainly uh, some of those simple pleasures of just appreciating uh, your local urban environment, appreciating your local walks and cycle paths, etc. All of these things, uh, you know, have uh, taken on added significance. So I think that sense of, you know, managing our public spaces, managing our environment, uh, and managing that balance between numbers of visitors versus numbers of locals, etc., such that, you know, places need to be good places to live uh, as well as good places to visit. And I think uh, making sure that we manage that forward, uh, it's going to be really important to the recovery. Yeah, people running tourism and hospitality businesses, they're just faced with a blizzard of challenges. You know, uh, financial, you mentioned the banks, you know, regulatory, marketing and so on. Uh, You know, if people are there and they're just feeling completely overwhelmed, what should they do? Well, look, the, the first and foremost I would say is, you know, most uh, most members of industry will be uh, either talking with Falls Ireland or talking with a representative of a body. I mean, look, the first thing I would say to anybody in the, in the tourism and hospitality space is we, there is a really, really strong uh, COVID support hub sitting on the FallsIreland.ie website. Uh, and in there, there are any number of supports ranging from all of those kind of financial supports, uh, online financial management webinars, HR supports, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff in terms of uh, marketing on a shoestring, etc. Anticipating monies are going to be tight. Uh, you know, there's a, all of those kind of issues that businesses have been raising with us. We've been trying to get responses to those up in terms of that online support hub uh, where you can get a first point of contact with it. But even locally now, we, we have put in place a business tourism recovery task force uh, in Kilkenny, which we are co-chairing with uh, Killette Byrne, the chief executive of the local authority down there. And we're working with local businesses down there to uh, on a kind of a program of initiatives looking at those refocusing on domestic families for the year ahead, uh, working on getting that uh, Kilkenny brand working well and getting that alignment between Falls Ireland campaigns and local campaigns. Uh, looking at getting the evening economy sorted. So again, trying to build in those evening experiences that encourage people into town to stay in town. Um, and looking at, again, at, as I said, the, at public spaces and how we can reimagine them. And, uh, you know, we have to be mindful that uh, I think even with vaccines, we'll be in that space while I think of needing to manage public gatherings etc so I think the more we can reimagine spaces in a way that uh, gives people things to see and do without triggering any issues in terms of crowds etc we want to look at uh, opportunities in that regard. Okay Paul look pleasure talking to you that's Paul Keeley Director of Regional Development for Ireland. thanks Paul happy Easter to you thanks, and everyone. John. Okay goodbye. Thank you thank you. Okay we're going to move on now and we're going to talk uh, to our local chambers of commerce uh, because Basically, we've been facing uh, a really uh, difficult time across all business. You've got a bit of an indication on it this morning uh, from 
uh, talking about retail and you heard uh, Paul there talking about um, about uh, tourism so we're going to move on I'm joined on the line and once again uh, it's by um, by both Colin Duggan from Carlow Chamber of Commerce and John Hurley of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce Good morning gentlemen Good morning John, how are you? Good uh, chorus of good mornings. There it is indeed a good morning, but very, uh, very difficult for people in business. Uh, Colin, uh, you're in Carlow. Tell us, you know, what's your perspective on the government uh, announcements during the week? A lot of frustration coming through, both from, uh, you know, when I was talking to um, uh, to Duncan Graham from Retail Excellence Ireland, and I also heard Nora Casey on TV3 or Virgin Media, should I say, during the week, really very frustrated about the lack of business input into the planning. Yeah, and I, I would agree totally. Um, the, there's, a, there's a lack of clarity in communication, and, and we, all, we all know and understand uh, the, the government's predicament. We, we, we were aware uh, that uh, res- the restrictions that are in place are there uh, while, while we, we, we can't control COVID. But we have a vaccination program about all that. We have uh, the... the uh, once we have that, that, that vaccination program, we should have a clear idea of, of how we can re- relax re- uh, restrictions. Now, businesses need to plan, and uh, it, 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 we, we can't just click, click a switch. Um, as Colin Hearn uh, had said, you know, we need to get our st- teams back together. We need to restock. We need to, 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 to plan our business to open safely. We need to market the business. Um, so the government needs to, to, to give us a clear uh, instruction on when we will open, how we will open, and not just to, to say that, that in, in June 5th or whenever, mm. that, they would, that they would allow uh, shops to be open or, or uh, outdoor dining to be open, that they give us a clear program for the rest uh, of the year. John, um, that clarity that we need. Yeah, John Hurley, um, you know, it is important that we keep uh, our... our our nerve that the end is in sight we have got like millions of vaccines coming down the track you know the timing is 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 has been problematic but you know the darkest hour is before the dawn in many ways but you know how do you feel about the level of planning and information do you share colin's frustration there or um yeah colin's frustration Mm. yeah so many people frustrated these days (laughs) yes indeed Indeed, yeah. As you say, the, the end is in sight. Uh, and uh, I think we all, within our own social circles, people that we know, we're beginning to hear of friends and relations of ours who have got their first jab of the vaccine. So I think that over the coming weeks, there's a lot to be positive about. And that's perhaps something that uh, I would say is kind of missing from the government's uh, messaging, is that element of positivity. We are in the final phase. Uh, of of uh, suppressing this this pandemic now, um, and and we need to, as Colin has just said, we need to be focusing now on not just staying out of the way and you know in our houses and that, but we need to be planning now uh, for exactly what we're going to do and exactly quite specifically when, because we can uh, I think begin to uh, uh, have real expectations uh, that we will be allowed to start reopening our businesses pretty shortly, um, but. As as Colin just said there as well, and has been said by other, your other speakers as well, the level of uncertainty in terms of the messaging coming from the government is not really helping us uh, to know how we can plan within our own businesses. Uh, and, and that's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, Colin, uh, when I spoke to Duncan Graham, and also, um, you know, coming through on the whole uh, 
tourism side is the experience in town centres is essential for retail, it's essential for tourism and it's essential for safety. The announcement of funding for Carlow 2040, uh, good news and, and perhaps coming at, couldn't be coming at a better time really. Yeah, it could, you're right. And, and Carlo really needs that kind of funding. It's the biggest uh, uh, funding spent by the government in, uh, in Carlo uh, ever. Um, 21 million in total in, in the end uh, in, the, in this round of funding. And I would stress in this round of funding because uh, the Carlo 2040 plan is quite ambitious. To, to transform Carlo uh, in, into the 21st century and actually make it uh, a, a, a revitalized uh, uh, town. And it's clearly an ambitious plan. Yeah, okay. Well, look, um, it, it's just uh, 10 minutes to 10 o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Case Law. We have to take a quick break, but I'll be back with John Hurley and Colin Duggan from our local chambers. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. The heart of two counties. Casey Lawrence just coming up to eight minutes away from 10 o'clock. You're listening to John Purcell, Edward Hayden up after the news, uh, which has been brought to you uh, by Angela Doyle this morning. I'm joined on the line by John Hurley and Colin Duggan. We were talking uh, before the break about the grounds for positivity. The, the darkest hour is before the dawn, as John Hurley said, and vaccines are coming down the way. Lots of good news. But there is an impatience among the business community. I, I heard Nora Casey the noted entrepreneur on with Matt Cooper on Virgin uh, Media One during the week and I was very impressed by the passion about which she spoke. I'm just going to take a couple of seconds of that clip from Nora Casey. Right, we have a COVID committee which is full of people who are experts in that field. Why do we not have a business committee full of experts in that field? The UK government has 22 entrepreneurs and business leaders advising them. In this country, I don't try to be a politician. I don't want to be Jack. I don't want to be the Taoiseach or the Tonish, but I'm very good at running business because only people who run business know just how hard it is. You know, the sheer grit and determination, the impact it has on your mental health, on your physical health. Just let me finish, Mark, because people don't understand this. It's not about being a civil servant. It's not about being an economist or being a scientist. But when I walk into my business, every single aspect of it is down to me. I have the sheer terror of knowing that I have to pay those employees at the end of the month. And I can tell you, there have been times for my own physical health. Only a few years ago, I wandered around for one week with a rumbling and then a ruptured appendix because I didn't feel I could take the time off. There are business that was Nora Casey speaking to Matt Cooper on Virgin Media One. Uh, palpable frustration coming through there. Are you experiencing much of that uh, from your members? You know, the allegation being put that, you know, business isn't getting enough of an input at government level or it's not been listened to. Uh, Duncan Graham said that uh, earlier on in the show. Yeah, certainly. Um, we'd, we'd get that uh, quite a bit through the Chamber Network now. Uh, and only last week I was on a, a network call with uh, over 20 other chambers and the the, the, the vibe coming from the chambers that were the closer you got to the Northern Ireland boundary, um, it, it was more and more negative or, or less satisfied with the messaging that's coming from government uh, because it was being compared with what's happening in the UK, our nearest neighbours. Uh, so there is room for improvement hugely there. I mean, chambers of commerce are an invaluable means for businesses to get their views felt 
in both directions, both into the government and back out from the government to the, to the businesses as well. Um, but really, uh, the government needs to be listening more and needs to be more, uh, I think, more, more um, uh, forward-thinking and more dynamic in their messaging in terms of what we're going to do next. Colin, it's um, Colin, it's a delicate business act or balancing act for business, but uh, we need to be supportive because we're all in this together, and safety has to come first. But equally, when you see things uh, where you think that the the emergency could be managed better, it's incumbent on us to come out and say it. Yeah, absolutely. You you know, we, we we. in business, we plan everything. We, we, we're always looking to the future. I, I honestly think that, that our government currently is just in the here now, and they're not looking further than, than three months down the road. Yeah. Um, and we, we, know, we need, need, need to look a year down the road and have a, a clear re- recovery plan for, for the economy. And I think uh, that, 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 that entrepreneurs and business people, as part of that conversation, is really important because they're the ones that actually have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. They have to think through how their business is going to work all the time. Very quickly, I'm sorry to cut across you, but uh, many of the business uh, supports are due to come to the end at the end of uh, June. What happens beyond that? Just very briefly, can you give us your perspective on that? Yeah, there's a danger, because the government has has kept its cocoon for this period of time. And now, as they unplug each of those... those, uh, um, uh, funding mechanisms. There's a danger that the companies could, could, could run dry of cash very quickly. So it's important that that, that we we sustain uh, the, uh, the those uh, those those measures and actually add more uh, measures to 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 give more positivity in the, in the co- the economy. Okay, John Hurley, uh, your your closing words on that. Yeah, we've been very strong as a chamber network on that point. The current uh, supports that are there, CBAS, CRSS, etc., etc., and we have not yet got a commitment from government that they will be maintained well into the future. As Colin has just said, when the uh, economy reopens, uh, businesses won't just bounce back to 100% where they were before they were shut down. It's going to take time, uh, and and depending on the the time of the year that it all happens as well. You'll have high season, low seasons being missed out and so on. So the government needs to give that commitment that these um, uh, supports remain in place and indeed that they are tweaked and improved because the longer we're on these supports, the more of them that businesses need because longer and longer since their normal way of doing business has been permitted. John Hurley, thank you very much. Uh, John Hurley and Colin Duggan. Gentlemen, thanks very much and best wishes to all your members and sorry to have put you so short and to be cutting across you. Very bad manners of me, but this is live radio and we're up against the clock. Good morning, gentlemen. Okay, so, and just a a word, um, do engage with your local Chamber of Commerce because it's very important that uh, businesses have a united voice. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Just time to tell you that the latest edition of The Bottom Line newsletter is out and if you'd like a copy which contains highlights, links and lots of information, you can email us at thebottomline at kclaw96fm.com. You can use that address. Also, if you'd like to comment or make a suggestion on the show, don't forget if you'd like to listen back to any show, uh, of the bottom line download the KCLR app and you can get loads of stuff from KCLR but check out the podcast section uh, wherever you do your podcast listening and search for the bottom line on KCLR and we'd be really grateful
grateful if you'd leave us a review, which will help more people discover our podcast. Thanks to all our guests this week, Austin Hughes, Duncan Graham, Paul Cayley, John Hurley and Colin Duggan. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced and thanks to you for listening. So until next Saturday, when we'll be back with more business stories and more guests, have yourself a happy Easter, a great week and look after yourself. Keep the faith. Hold firm, uh, look after each other and keep your distance. Until next Saturday, happy Easter and we'll talk to you soon. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie.